Do you want me to play the intro music? Oh, yeah, yeah, play the intro music. Okay. <laughs> Warm me up here. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Double Cuzzies, where two people who share 25% of their DNA and their entire extended families talk about life. Shit, I still didn't <laughs> pick an example. Um, Double Cuzzies. It's <laughs> like if Jessica and Ashley Simpson married Mark and Donnie Wahlberg <laughs> and had kids. Ew. Yeah. Ew. yeah, I don't... That's just names that came to mind <laughs> that's mm, the only that i don't know what that says about your mind right now but <laughs> i don't know i mean this whole podcast is an examination about i don't know what it says about my mind so <laughs> supply chain of your mind the supply chain of my mind yeah it's scary it's frightening supply chain problems <laughs> global yes. supply chain problems including those of my mind <laughs> of my mind yeah. yes well, yeah that was an example so. yeah those are those are people and those are names uh yep. you know we're what on season two of this podcast this is i'm gonna run out of examples eventually so yeah that's true you're gonna get into simpson Wahlberg territory eventually i'm gonna have to hop yeah. back into the baldwin's gonna have to mm, you know baldwin universe the baldwin yeah. universe mm -hmm. the scars guards much to mine there mm -hmm. yeah it's gonna just have to be some brother on brother on brother on brother action mm -hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> Why yeah. are all of the, uh, yeah, the celebrity families with a lot of siblings, they seem to be all men mm. or a lot of men. Okay. I'll, I'll take it as an action item for the mm. next one to look up okay. more <laughs> sisters. <laughs> yeah. Because um, what I got, I, I don't want to spoil it. I do have some other female pairings here, but mm. got to save those for future episodes. Yeah. So. They can all be hits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes they're just the Simpson and Wahlberg mashup, okay? It, I mean, very musical, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's the I connection. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's music I want to hear, but musical. Nobody, it's, it's sound, so. <laughs> yeah. Sounds. Okay, so with that, uh, welcome to another episode of Double Cuzzies. Um, for this episode, we are approaching it as our quarterly adulting review, which for our listeners from season one, you'll know that uh, early on in that season, I think we had a conversation about how do we feel about the concept of uh, work and life and our identities as part of, mm -hmm. you know, as our employments and our companies that we worked for. Um, and so we, we, we took it as uh, that we were going to check in occasionally to see how we mm -hmm. were feeling about those things. And, and uh, for our repeat listeners also, you'll know that in season one, episode four, that was when Kalia quit her previous job. Uh, and so this episode is going to be a follow-up of a check-in to see how the new job is going. Um, I have to quit my job every season. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so uh, you better hope that the seasons are long, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep going. Yeah. Um, I feel like, did we call this episode last season quarterly adulting review? Or I no, think it went by it was, more of an abstract name. It was, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's right. And so I think Which this is a is... good question prompt for um, 
an exercise like this. Yeah. (laughs) Because we should always be striving to be a better version of ourselves. Right. Never give up working on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But also. You can give up on work, but never working on yourself. Not on yourself. Yeah. So we're revisiting some of the questions I think we were asking ourselves this time last season um, when we had that discussion and a lot of things have changed. So um, I'm interested to kind of think about these questions and share and and just uh, unpack, you know, how we're doing these days and, and what these life changes, how they've affected us. So, yeah. So I guess maybe we won't title this episode, What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up Now? (laughs) (laughs) Again. Again, still. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think in that episode, we got into a lot of like the problematic nature of that question. And then I think we like probably spiraled into like how you think about that as a parent as well. So yeah. Yep. There's always some spiraling about that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see where the spiral goes. But um, yeah. So I think with that in mind, both of us have had, and not to say adulting is solely focused on what you do for work, but both of us have had pretty significant changes in um, what we are doing for work. Um, so I guess with that generally, like Emily, how do you think about work and life balance now that has now that some time has gone by um, or just where you are where you're at now in your life in general? Mm -hmm. I think uh, since since the last time that we examined this question, you know, I, I think that I have. When I, I should have listened back to that episode. Uh, so for our listeners, you should listen back to that episode. I will do that. <laughs> after this. Yeah. Uh, it's a plug for season one. But I think that, you know, I was at a place where for the job that I was doing and the way that I was approaching that job, it was important for me to sort of integrate that into aspects of my life, to think mm-hmm. about how I was sort of approaching my life in the same way as how I was approaching the, that job, because mm-hmm. it was the way that I was approaching that job was very people centric. And so it was thinking about what are people's motivations at work. And, and so I think that that alignment made sense. But what I mm-hmm. found is that by becoming so integrated in my life, I fell into that trap again of like only feeling or, or relying on being productive at work and successful at work as a sense, mm-hmm. as a, uh, a part of self validation. And Mm -hmm. so I think that where I have gone since then is that I have kind of gone back into the, not fully, but sort of the compartmentalization part where it's like, all right, my job is my job and Mm -hmm. I will think about it in the way and when it is productive for me to do so, but I will not let it loom over any other aspects Mm -hmm. of my life or my time. And maybe we'll get into like one of the reasons why I changed jobs too was because it's hard to, I think, have that change of going back into like where you're fully integrated in your job and your life. And then you're trying to draw some boundaries again. It's harder to Mm -hmm. do when you are in the same role in the same group with the same people and the same culture that you've been in for a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it is easier to go somewhere else. Uh, and start fresh and to be able to set 
very clear boundaries and expectations for yourself from the get-go as opposed to ha- trying to change something right mm-hmm. so yeah, so I think that was like the way that this role had evolved to become part of your life rather than you like having more control over that right and I and I also think that um you know the, as far as the the pace of the work that I was doing I don't think that that has changed much in the sense that it's all thought work Right. And so it doesn't really abide by a schedule so much as like, oh, okay, well, this comes to mind now and it's not between the working hours. Well, it doesn't really matter. I'm still going to file this away for like, okay, I'm going to work on that tomorrow or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that it, it's like, yeah, I, I feel better about being able to fully detach from the subject matter too of my job um, and my personal life. And, and I think that maybe the culture of the group that I'm in too is that like everybody is in that mindset of like, we're mm-hmm. here to do jobs. We're here to work well together and to, you know, have a good time when we're working together. But, you know, these are jobs. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I think oh, that's that, interesting. Yeah. And so I think maybe it's like, uh, maybe the, the group of people who I'm working with now, they don't, I, they don't have so much of their own identities tied up with work either. Mm-hmm. So. Not not but you're on anybody, saying but just you're saying different. specifically because your previous role was like dealing with people and like correct me if I'm wrong, but compared to your role now it was less of like technical thinking, but rather more like like people operations and kind of like cultural that that trickled more into your day to day thinking and you couldn't really separate that like when you were off hours. Yeah, I think I think you put it nicely where it was so much more culturally focused of. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that is because of the way that I was approaching it. And maybe there was a misalignment, mm-hmm. right, of like what was expected of me was not to approach it that way. But I think with the type of jobs that I'm in or that I was in, it was quite nebulous as far as what the expectation was. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of like I was tasked with find problems that need to be solved and then figure out the best way to solve them. And all of the problems that I found that I was trying to solve were all culturally and people related as far as like, mm-hmm. how do we develop people? How do we make sure that people feel valued and satisfied in their roles? It, and again, like, how do I find that for myself too? How do I create mm-hmm. a culture where I feel that for myself? But that is such a hard change to drive. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I felt like I was sort of highlighting problems that, that I couldn't solve alone and that there was not a, a big appetite to solve at that time. Mm. And so I was kind of like, you know, I don't know if I'm needed. Like the problems that I want to solve and that I think I need to solve here, are there's not really interest in solving those problems now. So mm. I, I might as well go somewhere where it's like I there are problems that are like in the urgent and they are business problems and they have mm. clear cut solutions. It's just a yeah. matter of somebody having the attention to like piece together all of, all of the separate parts of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think I, I just wanted to be somewhere where I felt like I was learning something new and I felt like I was uh, solving problems that people wanted solved. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Or that were like more, I don't want to say more urgent, but from a business standpoint, like were. They're more concrete. I feel like they're more concrete problems Mm -hmm. where, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think the ramifications of not solving the problems are clearer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then I think with that sense too, like the pressure to have to like justify or fight for your work Mm -hmm. is very different in the role you're in now. So 
I mean, even though like there are other pressures that come with it and other expectations, like just just the sheer fact that what you do is understood and respected probably feels a lot different. Yeah, like I was hired in for this job. I, I didn't create this job from nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. they wanted, like the last one yeah. was like, okay, part of the job was creating the job, which which is weird mm-hmm. in itself. But uh, hey, that was, it was yeah. it was nice flexibility, especially as I was you know trying to raise kids and all this stuff. So I will be forever grateful for that. Um, and I learned a ton. Like I learned a ton yeah. about. I think how I structure things, how my brain works. Um, I learned a, a lot about the way that I approach work and also how not everybody approaches it that way. And so how to mm. better deal and work with people who approach work very differently than I do. Um, and so mm. I think it was, it was definitely all growth, but I was not, I was learning more about myself, but I was not really, I didn't feel like I was learning anything new about like a new industry or a new technology or a new skill mm. or anything or new, you know, types of problems or a new part of the business. And so yeah. that part felt very stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That's such a valuable thing to be able to exercise though, because I feel like to an extent in, my new role right now, kind of like where you were, like I'm the first person in this role. The company doesn't have concrete expectations. There are like performance expectations, Mm -hmm. but even that I get to define for myself. So Mm -hmm. I do find myself kind of trapped. Like I'm not used to thinking about myself and my work in this way. Mm -hmm. So So sometimes it can be hard to be like, okay, I know it needs to be done, but like, what does this look like? <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, what does it look like within this company and like within myself and this role and the resources that I have? So it's like, I know I can get there, but it's like, I need to walk myself back five steps before I can. So mm-hmm. um, that's been a really interesting and kind of challenging exercise for me because sometimes I feel like I just like cannot function because I can't get there right away. But it's just like... It's just a different mindset and I'm totally capable of these things, but it's just a different way of going about it. Yeah. Is it like because in your previous role, you were a lot more of this was defined already. And so you were sort of more focused on like the details and the execution of it or. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was defined already and the way the company and the my department within the company kind of functioned was like, kind of like shame, same shit, different year, mm-hmm. like just redo that same thing in a work. Um, and not to say that we didn't try to do things differently because we did, but um, it got to be a little bit discouraging when it's like, there's no clear path to this. And like, we've been shut down so many times, like why even try? So um, I think with that in mind, there was just like a clear cut way of doing things that would work Mm -hmm. and you know we didn't have to stray too much outside of that so um yeah that was very different and then in my pastoral too I had um a manager who I worked really really closely with and really really well with like we kind of shared the same brain and were able to be very transparent with each other so it was kind of just like having you know, that other compatible mind to Mm -hmm. work with and in, in this role I have a counterpart but we're not working on the same thing. So that's, uh, just not very different kind of, um, I still have that support, but I am just like thinking on my own. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, not to center this on myself, (laughs) but, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it of like, it is a very, it sounds like your role is, is a very, um, not introspective because you're not thinking about it in terms of yourself, but it is a lot of, 
alone thought time, right? And Mm -hmm. then it's kind of like, how do I actually put these thoughts into things that can be communicated easily to people? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and it's, it's like from scratch. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I think like when you were, when you were leaving your previous role, uh, what, is that something that you were looking for? Was something that was like, Hey, I want to be able to be more creative. And I guess it's someplace that's more supportive of taking chances on things that aren't status quo. Yeah. That's definitely something that I, I wanted. I didn't know it would look like this and I didn't know it would be so much of a challenge for me. Um, but I was at a point where, you know, it's just like, I'm comfortable here. I can get the work done. I'm good at it. Um, you know, I can over deliver when, you know, I want to, or that opening is there, but I'm not growing, Mm -hmm. you know, as a person, as a professional in this role. So, you know, I just need a, a better challenge. I need to be around, for lack of a better word, just like smarter people. So, um, and it was kind of funny because I don't know if we've ever talked about how my career switch came about. I think we may have touched on it. Like I had these ideas, but it wasn't like, oh, I wrote this down and had like a checklist of, you know, things that I needed. Like it wasn't formalized, but Mm -hmm. Oddly, things just like kind of fell into place. I wasn't even like actively applying for this role. Um, And this is the first time in my life this has happened. You know, a lot of people say like, it's all about who you know, not what you know. And this was the first time in my life that it was about who I knew. (laughs) Otherwise, like I, you know, worked really hard to position myself and get other roles. So um, I don't know what I'm trying to get at this, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that it all kind of panned out this way and that um, now that I'm a few months into the role, it's really just checking off a lot of those boxes and I'm, I feel that like challenging me and, and helping me grow as a person too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like, you know, when we, when we think back to when you did make the decision to leave your, your previous job w- without another one lined up, it, I mean, it seemed like you knew yourself well enough at that point that you knew that it wasn't working. Right. Mm -hmm. And that you really were not going to have enough space to think about what you wanted instead until you were Mm -hmm. just completely out of that. Right. Yeah. And and so I think that it's like, yeah, the the universe kind of answers where where I think that you you left that job not concerned about time timing or, you know, it's like when I need another job, I'll I'll get another job. And and it was Mm -hmm. great that you had that that level of security and confidence and competence too, right? Like you have obviously performed because you have credibility, you have a good network and you have people mm-hmm. who reached out to you then of like, Hey, like I'm, I'm looking for this or like my company is looking for this role, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think that that is kind of like the, the phrase is, it is who, you know, not what you know, but those people who knew you, if your work product was bad, they would never have reached out to you. Yeah. So it is definitely what you know. And I think that maybe it's like, it's hard to see that aside from promotion and raises, that good work actually is not unnoticed. It -hmm. might just be noticed by your next employer, (laughs) (laughs) your next team, you know? Uh, That's true. That's true. And I also think like, even outside of the work, I mean, so I had somebody approach me about this job, but the original recommendation came from somebody who I formerly worked 
with i don't want to get into the details because it doesn't really matter and it's kind of boring but um <laughs> it was somebody who didn't really like she was on my team but kind of distance so we didn't really share work a lot mm-hmm. but i think she kind of just knew like the type of person i was mm-hmm. So I think showing up in that way too, like making an impression, like this is somebody that I want as my colleague again, or in general, like this is somebody who would contribute to a good team and a a strong workplace. So um, yeah, I think that characteristic, just like your general character can be just as important. Like you got to be able to do the work as well, but, or not, who knows, but (laughs) (laughs) it catches up People remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that it, it's like, I'm going to throw out a random fact that, you know, nobody can fact check me on this. So whatever, uh, <laughs> that it's you get more job leads from acquaintances than you do from close friends, actually. Mm. And I think maybe that that's because there's a certain level of distance, you know, mm. where they really are kind of yeah. more objectively able to see you for the things that you're good at and maybe the things that you're not so good at. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and as opposed to like close friends where it's like, you're oh, you're great you're so great at everything, yeah. you know, um, yeah. but it's like, okay, but come, you know, push comes to shove. Are you going to actually vouch for that person and refer them? Um, yeah. and then it's also like, you know, when you look at your close friends or close connections, that network is so small as far as like the opportunities that they might have, that they might be connected to. Whereas like acquaintances, mm-hmm. they will peripherally be aware of a lot more things. I think that that might be relevant to you. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I mean, basically, the lesson is is like, don't be a dick. Like, just, yeah, just like, don't be a dick. Just be like yeah. a pleasant person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if people don't like working with you, then yeah, you might be good in the job that you're in now, but it's gonna really limit who's gonna want to work with you in the future when they have a choice. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, going back to the the sort of cerebral question, has it changed then? I guess how you see yourself in relation to your job. Hmm. Um, I think the general change has, it's been pretty big for me just in the way I have to think and kind of show up as work. So it has made me, and maybe that's a little bit like to be determined because I am still kind of fresh. Um, but I'm back in an environment where like, I truly love all of the people that I work with and like feel camaraderie and feel like, you know, a part of this bigger thing that everybody believes in. So I think mm-hmm. that has kind of, um, I was, I was going to say changed my outlook on life, but that sounds really dramatic. <laughs> wow. You've become, <laughs> you've become so sincere about things. <laughs> changed my outlook, but maybe, I mean, maybe not that dramatic, like has changed, um, has made me realize like, what is available or what is possible in a Mm. workplace Mm -hmm. and then kind of pushes me to think about like oh what can I do in other aspects of my life differently Mm -hmm. too and then on the more technical side I think just kind of like practicing what I do so I'm in communications um so practicing what I do in a new atmosphere I'm realizing like I am really good at this in a professional and work setting but there is a lot that I could do to improve this part of my personal life too so Mm. and that's a very different thing I think before you know I I kind of just lazily thought they'd go hand in hand um but it's very different like psychological work so um yeah I think just the overall change has made me realize that as well and kind of just like clarifying what is that for me what are the steps that I need to get there and like you know how do I look like as that person who can not only do this 
well for work, but apply these or, you know, the personal structure of this to, you know, make my relationships what I want them to be. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating when you think about the amount of effort and work that we put into our jobs and getting better at our jobs and developing those skills and then how little work or attention we put into that for ourselves? (laughs) It is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think this goes back to like, we probably talked on the topic this episode last season, like kind of like the notion of self-help. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like accepting that, like it shouldn't really be self-help, but just like self-improvement. Like what can you work on? Like Mm -hmm. how can you get better? Um, uh, But I mean, at the base of it, it's like everybody could use some help. Right. with with general whatever it may be so right. and I mean I think I even uh, said on that episode that like if you're not going to take to do the work to help yourself then how is anybody else expected to <laughs> you know it's like you got to yeah. help yourself for others to want to help you or to be able yeah. to help you too so yeah, yeah exactly yeah and I think this too like being around the people that I work with now who are just a lot of them are much younger than me they're just really sharp really driven and I'm just like oh my gosh, these people are doing things that like I was so far away from, you know, at that age. And I'm just like very impressed. And Mm -hmm. it kind of encourages me to think about like, how can I just be better and better and better and keep on building upon that? So it's cool. It's really cool. I'm, I'm super grateful for it. And it's like, yeah, this checks off a lot of like the theoretical boxes that I wanted in a new job. And then just like the culture and atmosphere too is, is, much more than I thought it would be and has like just like for lack of a being able to think of a better word like enhanced my life in a way that I like didn't ever imagine so it's super cool yeah I mean culture is such a huge thing you know Mm -hmm. culture culture is it (laughs) and because it's like if you are you know if you're motivated by the mission but then the culture is shit well how much are you really going to put up with on a day to day, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, or how much, and I think culture has a way of either being an enhancer and an enabler and an optimizer or an impediment where Mm -hmm. it's like, if you have a bad culture, then anything that you try and do, it's going to be a million times harder. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that that's huge. I'm glad to hear that you found, you know, a place with with culture that you didn't know could exist at work (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it's super cool and yeah I mean for better for worse I think like being a professional today especially you know in the age bracket we are it's like everything has shifted a lot and Mm -hmm. you know people are wanting more features and more support and specific you know qualities of of you know, a person they work with or a type of work that they do. And not to say that didn't exist before, but now it's even like more specific. And I think after like pandemic and everything, people are realizing like what they can demand too, right, which is right. interesting to see. Yep. Um, so I don't know where I'm getting with it, but like, yeah, there's obviously a, a larger shift in, you know, the way people think about not just like what I do, but who am I in this atmosphere of what I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's like, yeah, what, what people can demand, like what you said is that mm-hmm. the, the leverage shifted 
during the pandemic, you know, and it's starting to equalize a little bit. And, and I think that there is just there is a huge transition in the workforce too, just between like the generations that are playing leadership roles and manager roles and worker roles. And, mm. and so it's like the companies that are able to actually attract and retain the workers <laughs> and groom managers and leaders to be people who are going to be able to retain those workers, those are the companies that mm -hmm. are going to succeed. And then on the flip side of it too, I think of this trend of like quiet quitting um, mm -hmm. or, or what I call mentally retiring where it's like, you're just, <laughs> and it's not. And I think that it's like quiet quitting. It's always, it has this connotation of like, Oh, well you're just slacking off. And it's like, no, mm. it's actually I'm doing the job that you hired me to do and that yeah. you're paying me to do. And I'm not yeah, defining my life by it. <laughs> yeah. I like your term better. I think. Yeah. The quitting part of it is very problematic or very loaded. Like Right. Because it's then it's it's as if you're not doing your job. And it's like, no, I'm doing mm -hmm. my job. That's all I'm doing though. <laughs> because that's all that you're paying me for. And there's nothing necessarily bad about that no. in certain situations. You it's know? such an American thing, I feel like. This culture of productivity, mm. uh, where it's like you gotta give your hundred and twenty percent. It's like you're only paying me for a hundred percent though. <laughs> you're only paying me for a hundred percent between the hours of X and Y. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's what you're getting and that's it. Um, yeah. and I, yeah, I, I think, um, I think like the shift to the hybrid work and remote work has also been really tricky for companies to navigate. It is funny though, because it's like, there's all these companies where it's like, you have to come back to the office for the culture. And then you see these TikToks and it's like, the culture is one person sitting here in a conference room, you know, <laughs> and that's it. And, and so they think that it, these companies say that it's like, it's harder to establish culture, hybrid or remote. Mm -hmm. Like, I Maybe, but I, I don't think so. I think culture establishes itself, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I and think, if that's important yeah. to a company, then they'll find a way to establish that and maintain that. Like, yeah. you can't just totally disregard the notion of it because there's hybrid options now. Like, yeah. no, you have to want to treat your people, you know, with respect and as humans and as individuals and celebrate that, like... Mm -hmm. you can, yeah it's always possible yeah it's always possible I think the the shift to hybrid and remote work and the mix of that anyways it's like what you talked about in season one where like working from home it allows you to be your truest self your most comfortable <laughs> self you know and and I think for me the biggest shift and, and I even brought this up I think in season one was that it was like I realized that I, I suffer for a lot from extrovert bias you know, where mm -hmm. I, I do very well in in-person interactions and talking face-to-face -face and live um, and because I'm comfortable doing that. But mm -hmm. for people who are not, the in-office environment is counterproductive, mm, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so it's like, it's not for everybody. And you don't mm -hmm. realize that maybe it's not for you until you're not forced to do it anymore. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. yeah. and like, I, yeah, I think that there is some productivity loss of, well, I can't just go and ask that person about this thing or I can't overhear a conversation and then know that, hey, you guys should be considering this. You know, mm -hmm. that doesn't really happen, but it forces you to be more explicit about how you communicate with others and how you mm -hmm. expect people to communicate with you. And so mm -hmm. I think that it forces it forces companies and teams to be more explicit in what their expectations are for how they expect people to operate. And yeah. 
And so maybe that's why they think that it's difficult to establish culture in this distributed workforce, but actually it's easier to establish culture because you have to be explicit about it. You have to be clear mm-hmm. about these things. You can't expect it to just fill a vacuum of like, well, people are just going to mm-hmm. operate, you know, like this under just the, happen. yeah, I'm not going to see yeah. how a leader is in person because I don't see them in the office. So I can't really index off of like, oh, okay, well, this is the culture that they're driving. It's like, no, all I mm-hmm. have is what they told me about what they expect from me. Mm-hmm. So. On a similar, I was just thinking as you're talking through that, like the, in office dynamic and what it's like working in person with people. And then also thinking about that original conversation, like working from home, lets you be like the truest version of yourself, which is wearing soft clothes all the time (laughs) while working from home. Um, But I feel like this is the first job in a long time that I haven't been affected by like the how do I say it? Like the mannerisms and the habits of the people that I work with. Mm, And I think mm -hmm. that has been like a very kind of by the book or like, because I'm in communications, which is usually within marketing, there's this like hyper awareness of the brand and Mm -hmm. how the brand should be. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in past roles, people have embodied that to a point of like inauthenticity and just Mm -hmm. like, doing it for show and I would see that rub off on like how they talked how they dressed how they treated other people and to me to an extent too I would pick up on different phrases and things of that nature and I feel like this is the first job in a long time where I haven't been affected by that and I think a lot of it is just like the culture is celebrating and letting everybody be their individual selves and not like forcing this expectation and this like look and feel of how you should be as a person in this workplace and then also maybe a combination of you know people have been remote or hybrid for a while and like I'm jumping into this after you know that span of time and that kind of mode that everybody was in but yeah an interesting observation in terms of like how you fit into that or how culture can affect people too. Yeah, I mean, it's this culture Mm -hmm. of inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a culture that is so overwhelming that you need to do your work in this way in order to do Mm -hmm. well. It's a culture of inclusion where it's like understanding that people are productive in in different ways. And so how do you Mm -hmm. optimize for each person to deliver as much as they can? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to look up this bell hooks quote, but it's basically like we spend so much time building the facades of who we are at work that when we take a step away from it, it's like how much of that is actually me and how much of it is my work self, mm-hmm. you know, and you never really get that. You never really get that space or got that space until you either quit or you don't have to be in an office setting anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think the other part, too, about like being in the office is that, you know, I my myself I used to kind of pride myself of like I would know what was going on like I would kind of have mm-hmm. a pulse of like okay of the gossip and the politics right I hated it I hated the politics but I loved a little knowing about it what's um, the gas yeah what's the hot gas what's the water cooler <laughs> talk you know and um and so I think that was such a huge part of being in the office though of just like oh you know mm-hmm. like what's going on and stuff because otherwise it's, it is kind of hard to keep tabs on stuff when you're when you're not there you're not overhearing things um, but, but recently somebody asked me on a group chat at work of like, Hey, Emily, what's the, what's the hot gossip in the, in the group? And I'm like, 
I have no idea. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then there was somebody else in the group chat who was also a remote worker. And I was like, I don't know about you, but like, I feel really out of the loop, but I also don't care. Like, <laughs> You're I really free. don't care. I'm so free from that. And, and I think that was also part of what I was trying to leave behind when I changed mm. roles was that I had been in the same group and for the most part in the same kind of role for my whole time there. And so as close as I was to some of those people, it's easier to be very enmeshed of knowing everybody's business. And it's just mm -hmm. like, it's not productive. And yeah. I think that I came like fully to the realization, like, you know, it's, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to actually like understand it and embody it that we all run our own races. And so it's like comparing myself to others is not healthy because mm -hmm. it, it like I had two kids over the course of the past five years, you know, and it's like I've made other choices that other people have not. Other people have had mm -hmm. challenges that I have not. It's not the same mm -hmm. playing field. It's not the same game that we're playing. We're not, we're not racing against each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think like I was only able to kind of get out of that thinking when I was just completely mm -hmm. removed from like, I don't know what's going on with this person's career. I don't know. I, I don't care. You know, it's yeah. like, I hope that they're doing well, but I know yeah. fully now that like their success really does, it has no relevance to me and it has no detriment mm -hmm. to me. So mm -hmm. I think like being able to separate myself physically from that environment and then also mm -hmm. mentally from that type of thinking mm -hmm. of comparing myself against other people. And so I, I think that like in my, in my new group that I <laughs> said so that, you know, there's political minefields that I'm sure I'm going to walk into and I'm not going to know what those minds are because I haven't been in the group long enough, but mm -hmm. Hey, it's new. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's like, it's yeah. easier to start with a clean slate and to assume best of intent and good intent and to also go in there myself with good intent. Mm -hmm. You know, let's see, should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a commercial break. Let's take a commercial break. Sleek, minimal, understated, too f***ing small. Tired of tiny remotes that always get lost? Like seriously, let's take something you use literally all the time and make it crazy small frictionless so it never stays on the arm of the couch, and a nondescript color that will blend into most surfaces. If you're anything like me, you spend at least 90% of your waking hours trying to change the goddamn channel and asking, has anyone seen the freaking remote? Well, search no more. At Big S Remotes, we've been making remotes since the 1960s and have barely changed our design. Chunky, immobile, conspicuous. Each one of our trademark big-ass remotes weighs in at precisely 10 pounds and is bigger than a bread box, so there's really no misplacing them. You'll soon discover why we have thousands of rave reviews from loyal customers like this one from Jesse in Denver. My kids are terrorists and are always stashing the remote somewhere. But when I got my big-ass remote, it's so heavy the little turds can't even lift it, and I don't have to worry about someone sitting on it because it's literally bigger than my cat. I've saved so much time I used to spend looking for the remote. I could finally take up a third job driving for Uber Eats. So come on down to get your big ass remote today and stop looking and start watching. Not to be mistaken with big ass remotes, which are remote controllers for large asses or big ass remotes, which are large remotes in the shape of butts. For a limited time only, enter the code EMDBTV to get a free little ass remote with purchase. Big ass remotes, not big ass remotes. Not big ass remotes. <laughs> <laughs> or, and not big ass remotes. <laughs> <laughs> the emphasis is important. 
How many buttons do they have, though? They're big, but I mean, all of the numbers and all of the remotes of the 80s aren't really necessary with smart TVs, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they only have, like, two buttons. Yeah. It's like a brick. It's like a brick with two buttons. It's like an on button (laughs) and then, like, a toggle button, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. I mean, this is... This stems from... uh, This stems from me thinking many times, every time that I lose the remote, I just want to duct tape it onto, like, a kitchen spoon where it's like a bathroom key for a gas station. Mm, like you're not going to lose yeah. this thing. You know? yeah. So. yeah, or just like on a brick and then put it on like the ottoman so it never moves. And like yeah. that's just, it's there. Let's just glue it. I'll just glue it onto the TV and then there will yeah. be no remote. You just have to get up and push the button on it. Just, yeah, yeah. Way, too, way too old school. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That was a commercial. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, I don't have a TV, so I don't have that but, problem. Yeah, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Yeah, you don't have to deal yeah. with remotes or anything. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, if you forgot, I don't have a TV. In case you didn't know, Kaylee <laughs> doesn't have a TV. <laughs> okay. Have you been able to make friends within this new role? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think that it's kind of like, I, I, you know, I love the people on my new team and my new group. And I think that, um, everybody's just, it seems like anyways that in in maybe six months later from now, we'll be having another episode, (laughs) but, uh, but it's like, I I think that it is kind of like, I could see myself being friends with some of these people, but I don't, Mm -hmm. but as far as developing those types of relationships and having the proximity to them and the frequency of seeing those people, Mm-hmm. Probably not, right? But as far as mm-hmm. like socially, if we were together in person and this group was together in person, it'd be it'd be fun. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the the bigger benefit is that I feel like everybody is very chill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like yeah. I don't ever go into a meeting clenched, feeling like I have a mm-hmm. like some like I'm bad, like I'm going into battle or something like that, or mm-hmm. like oh I don't or, like, know people what... are gonna like judge you, or, right? Like... I don't feel yeah. like that at all, at least within my own team, and so that is very nice. Um, but I will say though that like in the past, and not in my previous role, but in the ones before that, I became very good friends with a lot of the people who I worked with and who worked for me, mm-hmm. um, and and I did become very good friends with a lot of people who I worked. Who, who I also worked with, who weren't on my team. Um, and that clearly pays dividends later on because that's how I got the role that I'm in now is, is through mm-hmm. my network, right? And, and so I think that that stuff is important, but to have a close friendship with somebody I think is not necessary, mm-hmm. right? To yeah. have a good working relationship and to like somebody working with them, I don't think you need to be friends with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps. Sometimes it's a detriment too, though. Sometimes it can cloud, you know, your thinking or how you work with somebody because you are so, you know, because you have such an affection for them. So, yeah. yeah. But some some level, I think, of distance is good. But, but like, you know, as far as when you were talking about how, you know, you got your your current role through people who you had worked with in the past and – and I think that it is, it's like I had worked with a lot of the people who I work with now in the past, mm-hmm. some of them more closely than others. Um, but I think that when I was sort of going through the process of evaluating, like, how does my job make me feel about myself and my value? Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, am I good at my job? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So then to reach out to people or to have people reach out to you and it's like, hey, I have this opportunity. I think you'd be a good fit. Or like, hey, you should talk to this person about this. 
like that in itself is a validation of like, hey, I might not be getting, you know, the kudos or the pat on the back for this project, but people who know me and who know the body, my body of work over the course of years still want to work with me and still want Mm -hmm. to recommend me for things. So I think that in itself of like knowing what you're worth, not necessarily in the role that you're in now, but knowing what you're worth outside of that too. Right. Yeah. And so I'm not ever feeling trapped. I think that's the big thing is like, and I think maybe we talked about this in the first time around, like don't ever feel trapped in a role Mm -hmm. when you're working for a company at least because companies are big unless you Mm -hmm. own your own business. Like <laughs> things are yeah. going to go on without you. Yeah. So. Yeah. I definitely see that. Like, I mean, yeah, e- there's a few things that can play into that. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I guess I'm just thinking about like also the notion of golden handcuffs too mm-hmm. with, you know, people working in jobs right now and like, Ooh, I'm kind of trapped because I'm making this much money. I'm used to yep. this lifestyle. I'm used to this recognition and this like caliber of work that I'm known for or that I can do. And I think that's a very, very dangerous thing. Like for me, I was very lucky that I was able to step away from that and like personally not really care and not have to rely on that. And that's a very, very privileged place to be in. Um But yeah, I think that is a huge problem with at least American work culture, like having to value yourself with all of those like qualities that work bring you specifically like monetarily and like notoriety. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's like, yeah, you can always make a change in most situations. You can always make a change and like, honestly, just, and I think we talked about this in the original episode, like know when this is not right for you and you know is is the extra 10 grand worth it is that necessary it might be but like is your mental and personal well-being worth that I don't know like you you have to think about all those things otherwise you're just going to be fucking miserable but making (laughs) a lot of money and then what is that money worth I don't know exactly (laughs) exactly yeah and I think when, you know, when you came to the realization that you, you didn't want to be doing what you were doing anymore and you were very, you were very clear eyed about that it is a, a privilege, but also that you should feel really proud about the fact that you have put yourself in a financial position where you're secure enough to be able to take that time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that like you and I are in very different circumstances where like I do have kids, I have a lot more expenses. And so I couldn't just take the time away, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I needed to make a pivot, but I needed to do it in a way where I kept a lot of that security and a lot of the things Mm -hmm. that I actually do really like about the company that I work for and the people who I Mm -hmm. work with, but I needed to change something, you know, because it's like the, what I was doing and how I, how it was making me feel about myself was not anything that I wanted to continue. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. for an extended amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you're clear on that, and we're able to make a change, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about like any personal life updates? Because mm. we did the thing where it's all related oh, yeah. to work. Oh shit, <laughs> we did that again. Maybe yeah. next quarter. <laughs> yeah. Next quarter. Next quarter, yeah. we won't no talk work about at work at all. Okay. Yeah. Quarterly adulting review, right? So, what are the other parts of being an adult? An adult. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, what helped us, I think, maybe 
going through these realizations and coming to these decisions. It's such an interesting thing that the timing of it, that we have all of these conversations between us recorded since the Mm -hmm. time that you quit your job. And then since the time that I changed jobs too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I guess I'd be interested to know, I think we talked about it in the, in season one, what precipitated the thinking of like needing to leave. Um, Mm -hmm. But like since then, I guess was, was having these conversations or this podcast, I guess, helpful in any way in helping, you know, inform your thinking or, Mm -hmm. or in other ways, maybe. Mm, Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, I think, I think generally, yeah, the timing of when we started, because that was like, kind of when I was going through like the work conundrum and like having a big switch that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just in general, just like having this kind of dedicated time to reflect on certain topics and something that's been like very, very helpful for me because like I'll have conversations like this with um, like you via text mostly or like my partner, but to know like, okay, we're going to sit with this like for an hour Mm-hmm. And kind of just like reflect on like where we were, what we're thinking, or like what we want. Um, that has been very helpful for me, and just in like understanding myself better. I think yeah. therapy light. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah casual therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but I, I'm I'm super grateful for that, and I think it's a very. Uh, unique opportunity and then I guess to have these documented too I don't really go back and listen to them like outside of when I do edit them and then like Mm -hmm. there was a gap when we started recording this season so I listened to a little bit of some of the others but um yeah it is an interesting exercise just like yeah documentation of yourself yeah (laughs) I think even even not even even through the editing process, because I think because we have more time now in between or we used to anyways, between recording and editing, there was there was some lag of like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this conversation Mm. (laughs) or like, oh, yeah, that was a good point (laughs) that either Kalia Mm. or I made. Um, (laughs) And whereas before I was kind of editing like them right afterwards. So it was it was more Mm -hmm. about listening back for like audio and and not so much content and reabsorbing that um Mm. but but I think that to your point of like having this dedicated time to think about these things and to have to coalesce your thoughts to express to somebody else I think Mm. is is a big part of it too because I think it was helpful helpful for me in the sense that it sort of validated or gave me more confidence in the way that I was feeling and thinking about things Mm -hmm. because I felt more comfortable in expressing how I was thinking and feeling about things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when I came to the point where I was like, I want to change in my job, it was uh, abrupt in a sense, but not in a sense. Mm -hmm. Also, it was abrupt that it was like, I finally came to that conclusion, but all of the things that were leading to that conclusion, I feel like I had sort of discussed and hashed out with you in one way or another, either through Mm -hmm. this podcast or just through other discussions. Um, and with other people too, you know, of of understanding Mm -hmm. like how much do we let work define us and you know, Mm -hmm. how, how do we, what do we seek value and validation from as opposed to work? Um, and so I, I think that, 
it, it, this was also a nice creative outlet. This isn't making us any money. So it's not like this is fulfilling a monetary need, mm-hmm. but definitely a, a need for expression in a way that's not related to my job, you know? And yeah. so, so yeah, so I felt more comfortable that work wasn't the only engagement and presentation that I had to people either. That wasn't the only mm-hmm. offering that I was giving. <laughs> so yeah. 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 That's so true. I think the practice of this podcast too is, I think in the past I've been like, uh, I don't know how to express it, but this is just this simply happening right now. Like not being able to express something is a good example. Like I think with my work and the type of personality that I I have, like in the past I used to feel like in order to say something, it would need to be like well-formed or mm, like a mm-hmm. full thought or perfectly formed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like through this podcast um, and maybe just like kind of personal growth too, I'm able to be more comfortable with just workshopping that. Yes. Just putting the idea out there and then like seeing where it goes. And like it's happened a couple of times this episode. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going with this, yeah. but I'm just like, getting it out and so rather than having to have things be polished and I I see that in my workplace now too I'll be in meetings and I'll just like start like you know saying something and I'm just like you know I don't know where I'm going with this but like this is just on my mind and like like, I just want to share this rather than like having to have it have like a beginning and end and a point so um I mean it's that goes back to what we started talking about earlier, where it's like about the culture of a group too, like psychological mm-hmm. safety that you feel okay coming with something that's not fully baked because you want mm-hmm. other people to help you confirm it, re, you know, change it. Where mm-hmm. whereas I think like yeah, for myself in the past too, in previous roles, it was like I felt like I needed to have a buttoned up solution for something, and then when I mm-hmm. would propose that and it would get shot down or it wasn't received the way that I wanted to, it was like, oh, I put so much effort and like thought into this, and and it's like, okay, well, big learning from that was bring people along with you. You mm-hmm. know, it's messier for yeah. sure, um, but you have to feel safe with those people to do that. Yeah, yeah, and then I think too, it's the practice of like having an open mind, whether it's something mm-hmm. like work wise that starts with you or somebody else, or like in a relationship, it's like, yeah, this might not work, this might not go anywhere, but I'm just like willing to see what happens with it. Like, yeah. even if it's just like a stupid, fleeting thought, like, who knows? Yeah, so. yeah, I think that I mean, I think that this podcast too, like, I I I think it was probably after like the third or fourth episode where actually third episode where it was like, Oh yeah, I realized we weren't asking each other a lot of questions. We were just kind of talking at each other. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and so I think that that was something that I took as active, like uh, not feedback because it's not like anybody gave me that feedback, but like active insight Mm -hmm. of like, okay, I'm going to do something with this. And what I'm going to do with it is I'm going to make it a point to ask more questions and follow up Mm -hmm. questions and do less talking in meetings and Mm -hmm. discussions And that has absolutely influenced how I've approached this new role of like, I'm coming Mm -hmm. in here knowing the least about these things than anybody else in the room because I am the newest. And Mm -hmm. so coming from a place of humility of like, please help educate me on these things. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking these questions not to make myself seem smart, but actually to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think it's like when you approach something from that way and there's the psychological safety of like, yeah, those are good questions. Keep asking them. Mm-hmm. Then as you start to see where you, what kind of answers you're getting or where there are no answers yet, it starts to mm-hmm. become really clear of like, OK, these are the things that I need to solve then, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and so I think that it's like otherwise 
you can go into it with a fully baked plan and then somebody's like, oh, uh, you didn't consider this part of it, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah. well, okay, might as well just start. Or, you're, or you're so, yeah, or you're so like Invested dedicated to that plan yeah. where you thought then you're not willing to bend. Right. And then you're yeah. just like an unpleasant person <laughs> to work with. <laughs> yeah. To be with. And then you could never get another job after that because nobody <laughs> wants to work with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Humility f- and flexibility. Yeah. yeah. That's such, I mean, I think that's something that like a lot of people, the listening aspect, a lot of people could improve upon, but like what a unique situation to realize that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like direct feedback that you got, but it was like this documented audio <laughs> of yourself that you picked it up from. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, a bit of a rude awakening. Uh, so for anybody who I've ever dominated a conversation with, I guess I'm not sorry because that's just the way that I am. But do yeah, I am aware of that, and so <laughs> so hopefully future conversations are even better. But yeah, working on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. How do we want to wrap this right. episode? Um, where are we at? We're just at an hour. We're at an hour. Um, how should we wrap? So, okay, I know how we, I think I remember how we wrapped the other one, <laughs> first season mm-hmm. one, of like, what are you looking forward to, right? We should be looking mm-hmm. ahead now of like, mm-hmm. we're both in new roles. We are, you know, we have lives outside of these roles too. So let's not <laughs> limit ourselves to what you're looking forward to just in the role. But but what are you looking forward to, I guess, like either for the rest of the year, for, mm-hmm. you know, next year and beyond, um, yeah. But yeah. Hmm. Good question. Um, I think this is like pretty abstract, but I think just with kind of the mental change of my work, I've been noticing myself thinking about like the possibilities in my personal life in a different way because I'm not like limited by, you know, a company structure or expectations. Um, so I'm looking forward to to seeing how that kind of just changes my thought process overall in life. Um, Cause I'll find myself just like thinking about something random and then like, just like, you know, why can't like I talk about, you know, having a second house in Hawaii. Why not? Like, <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. So the crazy stuff that I do <laughs> because of this <laughs> mental freedom. <laughs> um, but it is, I mean, it's a really trippy process. Like as an adult, it's like feeling the way that I think, like being challenged and changed and mm-hmm. that capacity growing. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing where that takes me and what I do with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully to a second house in Hawaii that I can then go visit. <laughs> um, it'll be very small because property is very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have been Zillow hunting, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Mm, I think, so I think role wise, I'll start with that that I am at the point where I'm sort of like, I've learned a lot. And so I'm starting to sort of try to implement things. Mm. And so I'm looking forward to seeing the results. Mm. Uh, I'm hopeful to see 
the results, I would say. Because mm-hmm. I think that the last time that we had this conversation, it was kind of, I was feeling very optimistic about things too. And I was like, mm-hmm. but we'll see. <laughs> I, I think I called mm-hmm. it at that point too, of like, we'll see in about six months. And mm-hmm. and then six months I, later I saw, and mm-hmm. here I am. <laughs> and so, but I, I do, I, I have a good feeling about it at least. But I think even more so than that, I am looking forward to enjoying the clarity and ability to detach that I have gained for myself. Um, and, and, you know, I, I used to grapple a lot, I think with the concept of like being a creative or working a day job. Mm -hmm. And I think that I understand now more about myself anyways, where I think that having both actually helps each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so it's like, if I had unlimited time to pursue just creative things, I don't know if I would actually get anything done. Mm. Whereas because I have limited time to dedicate towards these things because of my day job, you know, I -hmm. I have limited time, but I still have enough time to do these things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that, that sort of uh, scarcity mentality, at least is is helpful in that sense where Mm -hmm. it's like, Hey, I should pursue these things because you know, what else am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great freedom. And then also, I mean, not having to rely on those creative things as like your living totally. too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's, that's pretty nice. You can just like do it how you want and not have that outside pressure. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I listen to other podcasts too. And like I've heard other podcast hosts talk about this concept too, of just like you know, being a creative and putting yourself 100% into that. And for some people that works. And, mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, m- maybe I could do that um, mm-hmm. and go full force into that. But I think I know enough about myself where I do like some aspect of structure and security and especially mm-hmm. having kids too, right? And, and that allows me to be more free in those creative endeavors. Mm-hmm. So, and for yeah. those to be more purely creative. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. great. We'll see what other creative endeavors we come up with. I mean, I already started yeah. another podcast for some reason, so. Yeah, for yeah. some reason. Yeah. 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 Who knows? Um, I heard there is a um, new AI technology, or would it be AI? I guess so, that will turn a transcript into AI-produced video. So you could, like, describe a dog Running Ew. in a meadow, and it produces a video just from the words. So we should upload some of our... We should, oh, <laughs> we should definitely try that. Because trans to see what the fuck happens. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be like, have you ever seen one of those AI-generated paintings? Um, <laughs> I haven't seen the paintings, but I've seen the, like, images of people, and they're so creepy. They're so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that will be... <laughs> That'll be an exercise for one of these episodes. It's like, we'll we'll tell a story or we will describe something in audio and then we will post the result of it. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Yes, I want to mm. do this. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. and that's the great thing. We're not making any money on this. So we can just do whatever the hell just, we want. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, please do go to our Patreon <laughs> and contribute. There's lots of other perks that you can have. But if not, it doesn't matter. We're going to keep doing no. this. So. It doesn't matter it yeah. doesn't matter i was thinking we should revisit the idea of our patreon <laughs> <laughs> of even having one that. you mean 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like taking advantage of like Michael and Grace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll cut all this out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a big break. They weren't getting any content, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you back your $15. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Okay. I, I will say, so, okay, so I don't know how we're going to wrap this, but one one final thought too is that I think this podcast has also made me less self-conscious about things, about just, mm. and I think maybe because it's like I'm so comfortable talking to you mm. that like, I'll say these things and like there will be, you know, half-baked thoughts or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, so I think it's kind of made, it's, it's weird. I think maybe at first it made me lots more self-conscious but not mm. in a bad way. It made me a lot more self-aware. And now yeah. that I have that self-awareness, I am less self-conscious about it. Mm. Hmm. Yes. Nice. Yeah, growth. Personal good... growth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. changing this podcast might not be changing the world, but it's changing ourselves. It's changing <laughs> ourselves. And that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> So all right. well, thanks to all our supporters good. in Ashburn, Virginia for sticking with us. <laughs> all <of> those <laughs> server farms. Yeah. yeah, this podcast is self-help. It's not helping anybody else, but it is self-help. So, <laughs> okay. Hey, there's value in that. Yeah. So thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. All, all right. right. Thanks for listening to Double Cuzzies. Family by genetics, friends by choice. Bye. Bye.